TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Score North Twin Show. One and to Cruz. A blast left center field. High and deep and goal! A home run! The first home run for the Twins this year. That was on Fox Sports North, and this is uh, Score North Twins. I'm Rami Makloff. I almost said touch them all right out of the gates. I almost did it. With Along with Derek Wetmore and Manny <laughs> Hill on the other side of the glass. And that was just one of a laundry list of positives to take out of opening weekend at Target Field. If you want to get in on the show, 651-646-8255 or tweet us at Score North. And uh, we will get to Nelson Cruz. But like I said, Derek, a lot of good to sift through from Target Field over the weekend. Yeah. And uh, that's better than having bad things to sift through, isn't it? Well, you take an <laughs> early lead in the division and look great in the process. Yeah, it's tough to come away and not encourage. Short of a weekend. sweep. Like, you almost couldn't yeah, yeah, ask yeah, yeah. for opening weekend to go better than it did for the Minnesota Twins this Yeah, weekend. maybe a little warmer or something on Saturday maybe. and Sunday. But we're picking nits at I mean, this maybe point. a roof on the place. <laughs> Here we go. Are we going to get into this right away dave st peter this is great who's a great guy and a friend of the show friend of the station is now subtweeting me about the uh the the retractable roof controversy that i guess i did i re-spark something that people had debated long ago in oh, minnesota yeah when target field first oh, opened. yeah you just cut open some scar okay. tissue my friend so we'll get into the actual things that happened on the field but as for the things that aren't over the field uh dave st peter <laughs> tweeted just moments before we came on the air he said i thought Target Field was the only ballpark that dealt with snow. Hard to believe our friends in Cleveland didn't put a roof on their ballpark, along with a, uh, a litany of emojis, a happy face, a sunglass face, the baseball, the uh, sunshine, the snow. Uh, and that was a uh, quote tweeting a, uh, a tweet that yeah, had a picture yeah. of them cleaning the snow off of whatever they're calling that stadium in Cleveland. Now, I know it used to be Jacobs Field. You can call it the Jake if you I'll want just, to. I'll I keep calling it the Jake. Field. Uh, you wouldn't have to clean the snow off the field if you had a roof over it. <laughs> And because it's the Midwest and it's April and we started the season in March. And yeah, I mean, look, you definitely dug into some scar tissue with that take. I loved (laughs) I don't know. I don't know where you were when you saw these tweets over the weekend, Rami. But I loved that Judd recorded a video in like. 28 degrees and whistling winds right. at the top of you Target Field. You can barely field. hear him yeah. over the wind. <laughs> this is the Arctic blast just crushing him in left field, saying, I'm glad they didn't put a roof on this place, Rami. Take that! And then Phil put out one of his own like yeah. an hour later, and he like he was so cold he couldn't even breathe normally yeah. to get the take out. And they're <laughs> yeah. telling me how great it is that this place doesn't have a roof. Yeah, it's fantastic. But I hey, saw those. That made me happy this week. To each his own. If that's what you yeah. enjoy, then yeah. that's what you enjoy. And well... You're going to have to do one from like a basement in July with no windows <laughs> while, while they're sitting in 77 and sunny with I a beer I almost just did one in front of my thermostat that read 74 yesterday <laughs> while I was watching Twins Baseball, but I, good. I, I, I resisted the urge. So let, let's get into the baseball. And again, if you want to get in on the show, talk some Twins with us, 651-646-8255 or tweet us at score north uh, and you you got to start with the pitching Derek I mean twins pitching was you couldn't ask for it to be much better this weekend 39 strikeouts in 27 innings 
And Jose Barrios and uh, Barrios, I have to get used to that. Yep. And Jake Odorizzi both posted double-digit strikeout performances. Right. They became only the second pair of pitchers from the same team in MLB history to post at least 10 strikeouts Did you see in the, the first two one? games of the season. Did I see the other ones? <laughs> it was Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling I've of the Arizona of Diamondbacks in 2001. I've heard of those guys. Yeah, they had a pretty good year. And then you look at the weekend as a whole, and what did they give up? Uh, uh, five runs the whole weekend? Two five up. runs the whole weekend. A watered-down Indians lineup, sure. but still. Yeah. Still, I mean, that's a big league club over there. Right. Ostensibly. And I think if... You would have told me, Rami, I would have got back from Fort Myers and you said, hey, man, I'm from the future. I've got some important things to share with you. But first, Twins pitching from this weekend, opening weekend. Be like, shut up and tell me about the stock market. That's right. And I wouldn't have believed you. What do I bet on? Right. I would not have believed that it went this well. If you told me Brios popped and was like, hey, one of the best games of his career. Tons of strikeouts, swing and miss, change up, look good. The breaking ball is there. I'd be like, yeah, okay. I mean. That adds Jose up. Jose Barrios, yeah. If you had that backed up with one of the best starts of Jake Odorizzi's career and a pretty good return from Michael Pineda where he's getting swing and miss on multiple different pitches and then Martin Perez comes in, backs him up, and shuts down the Indians lineup, I would have been like, come on, dude, come on. They're not going to have one clunker in their first four and now Barrios gets Kansas City again before they turn to Kyle Gibson. I would not have believed you if you said it was going that well. Uh, we'll get to the offense in a second, but like, it was surprising to me, even as I was watching it unfold this weekend. Um, I was at the Brio start, watched the other two on TV, and I thought, like, man, if we criticized Twins pitching at all this winter and said it wasn't good enough, the early returns were pretty much, haha, you were wrong, see? And again, a one weekend does not a season make, but in the first weekend of the series against a team that you need to beat, over and over again this summer, important matchups. They count the same in March and April as they do in September. I thought you had to be tremendously encouraged from that, from a Twins perspective, just given how well all four of their guys in the rotation pitched this week. And I was just going to say, what do you think of the plan to uh, piggyback Martin Perez on, on yeah. Michael Pineda yesterday? Well, it's creative. I think that when they went into this planning for how are we going to line up our pitching, they were like, well, let's see who's healthy coming out of spring training, but knowing that you've got so many off days and now they're not only are they going to skip a fifth starter, they're going to skip their fourth starter. Mm -hmm. And given the number of off days that they have, it's a creative way to pair a recovering Michael Pineda, who all accounts say he's back to full health, but still Tommy John surgery a year and a half ago, you still don't know how he's going to build up all that kind of stuff to pair that with Martin Perez, who you're going to skip anyway. I think it's a smart approach to, to the beginning of the season. You talked about the offense. A good place to start with the offense was uh, Byron Buxton, who picked up right where he left off in spring training. And uh, really, I mean, just smoking the ball out there at Target Field all weekend long. Did I tell you about my tweet on opening day that I said, uh, so Buxton roped a a ball off Corey Kluber, who, pretty good pitcher, by the way. Yeah, he's all right. Solid contact, barreled it up, and drove it to the outfield. And I tweeted that Buxton was standing on second base in about 1.2 seconds. (laughs) Most people, and I say most because it wasn't all, most people got that I was exaggerating. 
Other people Somebody thought like, you were serious. <laughs> they've got their stopwatches. They're like a couch it's scout. time to dirt. That's right. <laughs> what game are you watching? Before the ball hit the wall. <laughs> That's right. Idiot. So then I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, well, it was an encouraging first day for Buxton, but let's not put too much into it. Look, look good that he barreled the ball up on Kluber, but let's see what the rest of the weekend looks like. And then he gets this little gift double over the weekend that, like, honestly, let's not call that a double. Let's be honest about it. Call yeah. it an error. And that's fine. He's standing on second base. He makes things happen on the base paths. But then he had another screamer on Sunday, and I'm thinking, like, okay, this guy's actually locked in right now. He doesn't – we've talked about this all the time. He doesn't have to hit 300 with a 400 on base and power to make this a valuable player. If he gets on base a little bit – He's going to be golden, and it's really, really encouraging to see him smoke not one, but two balls this weekend off of some really good Indians pitching. And I don't know if you saw this. This was in uh, Dan Hayes' piece at The Athletic. He produced the two best exit velocities of his career in this series. (laughs) I mean, like That's almost as remarkable as what I just read about the two starting pitchers matching what Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling did. I mean, Byron Buxton has a relatively short career. Obviously, some of that... Has been disappointing, but right. I mean, to me, more than actually getting on base and and whatever the results might, you always hear people, especially analytics intense people, say we're more concerned with the process rather than the results. This to me says a lot about the process and where Byron Buxton is now with the changes that he's made, both physically and his approach at the plate. That speaks volumes to me that he's getting that type of contact and that type of exit velocity in his in the first series of the season. Yeah, it's great. I mean, there's not there's not too many things that we can glean and say he's figured it out. Like there's short of going twelve for twelve with twelve home runs, you would have been like, Oh, he found the cheat code. Right. Everything else you'd be like, Well, yeah, it's nice and let's see. And conversely, if he had fallen into a couple O two holes and struck out, okay. I'm not going to write off his season after the opening weekend. So I should say that first. But within that structure of saying let's not overreact too much, I would rather see him hit a couple of smoke and line drives, run around the bases and do what he does in center field than see like a, a, a squib double, you know, down the right field line. If it's one of those like, oh, he fooled me off the plate and I reached and just poked it down the line just inside the first base bag and. He's standing on third base because he's Byron Buxton. It'd look good in the box score, but you wouldn't necessarily be overly encouraged from it. But hitting a couple liners like that, playing the way he played this weekend, even the stats aren't going to be huge or anything like that, and he still doesn't have a a home run like he came out of the gates guns blazing in spring training. That's okay. The home runs will come. If he's hitting the ball like that, the home runs will come. And that's what I'm saying is like those two hits are not treated the same as any two hits. CJ Crone had a nice one on opening day where just like, yep, spoiled a couple pitches, reached out, bat to ball with two strikes and lifted it out into the outfield. And it was a little like, what do you call them, Texas leaguers or like a little, uh, I'm not sure what the politically correct term is, but a little flair to the outfield. I'll call him that. Hawk Harrelson used to call him duck snorts. Duck snorts? Duck snorts. You ever heard? Yeah, I've heard other things. I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'll just keep it off the radio. That's a, that's a maybe podcast exclusive. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it and saying, like, okay, not every single is treated the same. Not every double is treated the same. And within the text context of let's not overreact, let's not overreact, let's not overreact, 
holy cow, did that guy need a good opening first weekend for all of us to just breathe and get off his back. Right. I thought that was great to see, not only for Buxton, but for the Twins, too. And I I know people who are anti-analytics, they don't want to hear about things like exit velocity. But I'm telling that matters, man. How hard you're hitting the ball and what kind of contact you're making Look at the matters. And sometimes sometimes the ball lands in somebody's glove. But I think that if, if you're... If you're a professional baseball hitter, especially in 2019, and you're going down into the clubhouse to look at some of the the feedback on the at-bat that you just had, if you have the highest exit velocity of your career, but it lands in somebody's glove, if you're a baseball player, you just shrug your shoulders and go, I don't, right. it, it won't land in a glove next time. I'm, Probably. Hit, I'm hitting it right. It's, yeah. ju- it's just bad luck. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I got to interview the Twins hitting coach, James Rousen, during spring training this year, and I asked him, Kind of to what you're getting at, Rami. I was like, "What are your what are your performance indicators that you're looking at?" It was kind of a nerdy way to ask a question, and I wish I had worded it differently. But like, <laughs> I listened back to it and I cringed a little bit. But I'm like, "What what are you seeing from a guy to know is this a successful series? Was that a successful trip to the plate? Because we all know you can hit a screaming line drive at the center fielder, and that's an out." But you'd love to repeat that process if you have the option to do it again. And he said. Especially during batting practice, Rami, when it's like a lower speed, you're probably facing, yeah, the pitcher's closer to the plate, but it's like 65 miles an hour, and you're in a controlled environment. It should be easy to do exactly what you're trying to do. What are you looking for as a hitting coach to see, is that guy having a good round? Is he feeling good today? Whatever. And one of the things that he brought up to me was barrel accuracy. Like, how good is this guy at hitting the ball exactly on the sweet spot just connecting with it right where he wants to and if it's if he's working on pulling it's pulled if he's working on straight away it's straight away if he's working on elevating it's up it's not a liner into the screen it's not a ground ball how many of his 25 swings in the cage did he do exactly what he wanted to with the barrel i'm not i'm not enough of an expert to know if buxton did every single thing he wanted to do every time up there but when you make that sweet spot contact that's something that a hitting coach looks at and says, yeah, good. All right. We like that. We'll take that. That's a successful trip to the plate, whether it produced a double or not. Then when it produces a double, it's great. And that's bonus for the Twins, obviously, because now you got a base runner. But the encouraging sign is like beneath the hood there. Right. It's not the fact that he got a double. It's that he's smoking it, doing exactly what he wanted with the ball. Yeah, when I watch Byron Buxton at the plate, I'm looking for a few things. One, he's not chasing pitches, especially curveballs, because that's been one of his bugaboos up to this point in his career. He's not check swinging at everything, which yep. I understand was a problem for him earlier in his career. And then when he is making contact, is it quality contact? Is it solid contact? And the fact that he... he recorded his two best exit velocities hmm. of his career in one weekend and it happened to be opening weekend of the 2019 season is really really encouraging yeah to not to harp on buxton because there's plenty of other things so that we could more. get in this hashtag optimism reigns segment where <laughs> the whole weekend was good basically you say yeah they lost one game but short of that wow yeah so there's plenty more optimism to get to but i do want to touch on the fact that one of buxton's rope shots there's a sunday he was in an 0-2 hole. And I think that in the past, you'd get in an 0-2 count and be like, well, this is over for Buxton. Uh, Justin Morneau talked about it on the FSN broadcast this weekend. Like, when the counts flip. When you're 2-1, and one, you're this good of a hitter. This is how the average hitter performs in 2-1. and one. And then you look at it compared with 1-2 and two counts. It's like Mike Trout turns into DFA waiver wire fodder. 
everybody is just a worse hitter, even the best hitters in baseball. So in the past, when you'd see Byron Buxton fall 0-2, you'd thinking, oh, okay, what's the what's he going to finish him with? What's the, what's the chase pitch here? How is he going to bury him on this next pitch or the pitch after that? And Sunday, anyways, for whatever it's worth, he survived that 0-2 count and did so with authority. I thought that was a great, great sign for Buxton because we saw the same thing in Fort Myers. A couple times he fell behind 0-2, and you're thinking, well, let's see. I mean, I've seen this movie before. It usually ends with Chase Slider in the other batter's box. This one ended with a home run in spring training, and I was like, wow, okay, there's something there. We saw the same thing carry over into regular season pitching and Cleveland Indians pitching at that. That's a really, really good sign. Giving you our opening weekend observations here on Score North Twins, 651-646-8255, or tweet us at Score North if you want to get into it. Byron Buxton, obviously, a uh, a big positive, lots of positives to go through, including the guy who may be the most important person to that Twins offense in the middle of their order, also showing some signs of life. We'll get into that and much, much more when Score North Twins returns right after this. I don't know anything about technology. Hey, it's easy to listen to Score North on 1500 on your Amazon Alexa device. Just say, Alexa, open Score North. Score North. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. It's adapted from alien technology. Hey guys, join Score North this Friday from 12 p.m. That's noon until 6 p.m. As we broadcast live from Dayblock Brewing Company on the corner of Washington and 11th Avenue South. Stop on by for great craft beer and delicious pizza as you head to any of the final four festivities. Blast to left center field. Hit toward the gap. And pass Martin. Crone with two outs off with the crack of the bat. And on the first pitch he sees this year, Astadio, the fan favorite, has a run batted in. Yeah, we'll get to La Tortuga here momentarily. It is Score North Twins. I'm Rami Makhlouf, along with Derek Wetmore, Manny Hill on the other side of the glass. That call courtesy of Fox Sports North. If you want to get in on the optimism that is reigning here on the Score North Twins show, <laughs> 651-646-8255, or tweet us at Score North after what I think you would have to deem a successful opening weekend, taking two of three from uh, everybody's favorite, seemingly, to win the AL Central, the Cleveland Indians. And we'll get to Williams Astadio in just a second, as you knew I would, Derek Wetmore. Oh, yeah. But um, I don't know if anybody was freaking out or even a little bit worried about Nelson Cruz and how little of him we saw in spring training. I don't think he had a home run in the entire Grapefruit League season, did he? Uh, he he might have had one. He didn't when I was there. Okay. But then I think I saw it flash across Twitter.com. But we didn't did see it. one. He did? Yeah. Was it? Might have been like Monday? Dude played like. Monday or Tuesday? Like. Last week? Yeah, I don't he, know how many plate appearances in spring training. Not many. But I saw some of his rounds on the backfields where they were like getting him actually ready to go. Right. Holy cow. That guy is a clinic right. in batting practice. But if you had any, any, uh, I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for. Like a reservation about Reservation, the that's season. the word I'm looking for about Nelson Cruz to start the season. Seeing him get three hits yesterday, oh. including that booming home run, had to make you feel pretty good about and that. And as a response to getting hit in the shoulder or armpit or whatever you want to call it, Trevor Bauer, I'm not saying he did this intentionally, but I'm saying if he did it intentionally, it would make sense. Trevor Bauer is a guy who has pretty good control of his pitches. Oh, and he's going after Saturday, maybe a little exception to that, but yes. And he's like, of course you're going to pitch up and in to a hulking slugger who leans out over the plate like that. Like, And if you're Trevor Bauer, you might argue 
no, I didn't do it on purpose. That's the pitch. I gotta, I gotta move him off the plate, set up the breaking stuff away. Well, one got away from him to use the old baseball truism, and it got Nelson Cruz. Cruz appeared furious. Yeah, did like, not he like was it. So mad about it. Comes back Sundays like here you well, go. Well, because Here's on the, the stick pre- on the previous at bat, he had gotten brushed back. He thought he was hit by the pitch. It turned out it went off his bat. They yeah. called it a foul ball. I don't know if he thought he was hit or if he or was if trying, he was to, trying sell to get one over. base hit. <laughs> but he didn't. He didn't like the approach right. of Indians pitching at that point to right. come up, not just in on him, but up and in on him that way on two consecutive at bats. I yeah. think any any slugger in Nelson Cruz's shoes. Would, would take exception with that and let it be known that he takes exception with that. Yeah, he took exception and then he did something about it. Right. On Sunday he came out and he's like, hey, sorry Carrasco, I know this wasn't you, but it was your teammate, so here you go. Right. In <laughs> a couple of line drives over the weekend series, a home run that was like, I don't know if you've seen enough games at Target Field to know like how much that ball is crushed, mm-hmm. but to get out over the left center bullpens and hit the facing of the second deck, yeah. that is a poke. Right, He got all of it, and that's the perfect way for a power hitter to respond. It's just, you don't have to say anything, you don't have to talk in the media, you don't have to have one of your guys hit one of their guys. You Go see, ahead and just take the next guy deep. I'm I'm a guy who hates beanball wars. Oh, they I don't, drive me crazy. I, I don't want my team to get into beanball wars, but... There is an instance where I think you have to retaliate, and that's when... See, I don't think you have to... You don't have to hit somebody just because they went inside on your guy and the pitch got away and it happened to hit him. You don't have to hit their best player because they hit your best player, even though you don't think it was intentional. But when you have a pretty good idea that the opposing pitcher is intentionally throwing at your hitters, you have to send the message that this will not stand, and the only way to do that is to then throw at their hitters. That's the only time that I would get into it. When I know that you're hitting my guys on purpose, or at least I'm pretty sure you're hitting my guys on purpose, kind of goes back to something I've talked about with Carl Anthony Towns. You have to let the bullies know you're not one to be bullied. Yeah. And I think that when you're the, when it's the dynamic that you have between the twins and the Indians of, you know, the big brother, little brother, the favorite in the division and the team that's dominated this division for a few years and the twins who are trying to usurp them and knock yeah. them off the hilltop. I think at some point, if if this continues in future meetings between these two teams, yeah. that's something that's going to need to be addressed. It is. And I don't fully agree with you on the you got to go get them. But if you're going to go get them, if you're going to go get them, if you're going to go get them, pick the right spot in the game. Right. Hit him with a changeup and hit him on the butt. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see this. We saw it twice this weekend. Trevor Bauer in on Nelson Cruz. Now, if that hits his hand and breaks a bone, six weeks of the Twins' best hitter, that's problematic. Right. Not to say nothing of the danger of being up and around the face or head. Just ask any number of guys who've had lengthy, lengthy returns. Uh, caused by that sort of injury. That's not something you should be dealing with. But then let's fast forward this a little bit more too and say Williams Astadio got one in the armpit that was going up from Shane Bieber. A guy noted for his control hit him with a fastball. I think it was 93 if I remember correctly. I'd have to go back and look. You hit him with 93 up around the shoulders? No. That's not what this is. That's that's to me taking this silly code that I think is silly and you're doing it wrong. If you want to hit the guy because he's three for four or whatever, has a couple RBIs on the day, and maybe you don't like the way he responded to one of his hits or whatever, for whatever reason, hit him with a changeup and hit him on the hip. But in an 8 nothing game to come inside and hit a guy in the armpit, 
uh, with a fastball, that's get miss me with that. Yeah, I just think if the, if if there's intent on their part, yeah, then you have that's the one case where you have to retaliate. It's tough because this shapes up to be a really fun summer, I think. Right, I, and we've debated Twins versus Indians. I've got the Indians, you've got the Twins, and we could both see it going both ways. Right. But it shapes up to be a really fun summer when you play these guys 19 times, 16 now that you're two and one on the season in three of your matchups. Um, they don't play each other again, I think, until June, I want to say. And so it gives Actually, a little bit of a breather. Happen to have the schedule up right in front Yeah, of look through April and May, if you would. I don't think Cleveland's on the Twins' schedule. But as I sit and think about that. Yeah, June 4th, 5th, and 6th. Yeah, that'll be a Cleveland. fun series. Yeah. And, and I look at it, the snow should be gone by then. You so think they so. won't need a roof. Right. Yeah. I think that it you're, might be you're raining. <laughs> seeing. Yeah, we can play through the rain. <laughs> If this is setting up to be like the clash of the two teams that have any chance at all to win the American League Central, it's it shapes up to be a really fun summer. And what I want it to be, Rami, is pitching versus pitching or Nelson Cruz versus Corey Kluber, you know, Jake Odorizzi, who's apparently regained his form from Tampa. If that guy against Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, let's go. Mm -hmm. I don't want it to be. Picking spots to retaliate and playing beanball. That and shouldn't be that shouldn't be your focus uh, by any means. If but you're the twins now, just move past it. I'll tell just you this on. as a as a close observer of of the Cubs, um, watching their rise when they were a young rebuilding team. Sure. First in 2014, the Reds were a team that consistently threw at the Cubs. Really? And Anthony Rizzo finally took exception with it, came charging out of the dugout. Both benches cleared. Of course, nothing happened. And then you never saw that again from the Reds. The following season, after they hired Joe Madden and the Cubs actually started to make some noise in the NL Central and in the playoff race as a whole, they had an incident with the Cardinals where Joe Madden came out afterwards in his post-game press conference, a fiery Joe Madden, which you never see, yeah. and said, this crap is about to change. Mm-hmm. Like, you guys have been pushing us around and throwing at us for all these years, and I'm telling you, this ain't going to happen anymore. We're not the lovable loser Cubs that you've known for all these years. We will fight back if necessary. We And he said, we don't want to play, and I'm paraphrasing right now, we don't want to play this style of baseball. We don't want to get into this with you, but if this is what it's going to be, then let's do it. I We're, think it's kind of funny they say style of baseball. Right. It's like, that's not a style of it's baseball. It's really not. It's obnoxious. It's not, but I th- again, I, I think, and I said it about Carl Anthony Towns. I'm saying yeah. it about the Twins now, and I think it's really all walks of life. If you let bullies bully you, they will continue to bully you at some point. You have to punch the bully in the nose and let him know I'm not the guy. Yeah, move no, on. You got to find a different target. I think on the mound, I think it'd be fair to call Trevor Bauer a bully. I mean, yeah, he's a great pitcher, and he is one of the ways he succeeds is by not caring about norms. Right, he doesn't care about decorum at all. You've seen his quotes; like he doesn't care at all about the way you're supposed to act. And so, if it can give him a one percent advantage to throw at Nelson Cruz. I'm not saying he hit him intentionally, but to like back him off the plate like that. Yeah. I mean, that's something you've got to pay attention to if you're the twins. I would be more personally offended by hitting Williams Estadio and not just because he's the greatest player on the twins 25 man roster, as you pointed out to me many times, Rami. I would be more (laughs) offended that like, dude, this guy's had some success and it's a blowout ball game and now you're going to go hunt him with one of your control specialists. Right. And hit him with a fastball. Stop. Don't. Right. What is the point of that? If I was the Twins, I'd be 
irate with the way they treated that series. And I don't think it's just the, and then we'll, we'll move on after this point, unless you have another point to make okay. on this. All good. I don't think it's just the strategy of pitching, of I got to throw inside to keep this guy off the plate. I really do think that there is a mentality there that the Indians have of they see the Twins coming, they see him in the rear view, and they feel a need to 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 send a message that we, mm-hmm. we're still the dominant team. We'll throw at you, we'll bully you, we'll push you around if we want to because this is our division to lose. Mm. I, I don't like it. I, I don't think like there, the mentality. I think, I think that there is a message being sent there. You know and what? I, if you want to step on little brother, then sign somebody in the offseason. <laughs> <laughs> go, go make your team better. You're well within your rights. His name has come up a couple of times now in this segment, which I always enjoy, but we haven't really gotten to what he did in the batter's box this weekend. Williams asked a Dio. The first pitch that he sees, RBI double into the left, into the left center field corner. Would you have expected anything different? Third pitch that he sees, <laughs> RBI double and a walk mixed in there as well. I mean, this is what the guy does. He 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 gets on base, he makes contact, and then he makes things happen in the field as well. Like we saw in the play that he was backing up first base yeah. on a wild throw, and then he ends up picking picking off the runner who rounded the base a little too widely. Those are the plays upon which my five thoughts column was built when I first started doing it as a, like a shtick mm-hmm. and eventually it stuck. Mm-hmm. I was doing it, uh, as an homage to plays like that. No one's going to write about Williams Astadio's play in the field, unless it's like a quick aside when mentioning his offense, but that kind of play is awesome. I love that. It, how many times you see a catcher run down the first baseline with nobody on base and nothing happens because these are big leaguers. They just make the throw to first base. Well, the one out of a thousand times that that doesn't happen to plan, Jorge Polanco skips a ball in the dirt. I think it was Crone playing first base, wasn't able to scoop it, and ball ends up, should have bounced into the dugout. But no, there is a backing up Williams Astadio making a hashtag baseball play and throws out, I think it was Carlos Santana maybe that turned a little too hard. I think you're right. I, if I'm remembering that correctly, a couple of plays are running together in my head, but having him there to make that play and knowing full well that he'll be there 1,000 times out of 1,000 for the one time that it comes up is awesome to me. I, I was just going to say, that. you always see the catcher backing up first base on that play, and it almost never matters. No, it's fun in like, like most Little people, League. Right, most people think that it's like it's just a guy going through the motions. It's just False what you hustle. do. Right, exactly. Yeah. And that's and then you see it pay off. You're like, oh yeah, that's that's why they do it. Yeah, it's like, it's not eyewash. In this case, he got an out because of it, and the Twins got out of it and won a game. Right. Like, that that matters. That over was the course a really heads-up play. I and loved it. For as, as, and Look, he's fun. He's, it's a novelty in, in some sense. Uh, Williams has to deal in watching him play baseball because of his body shape, his style of play, everything. But the guy has baseball IQ. Yeah, yeah, it's clear. And do you like what they did this weekend, Rami, where Thursday, then they had an off day, and then Saturday, Sunday, they went Jason Castro behind the plate, then Mitch Garver behind the plate on Saturday, catching Odorizzi, and on Sunday for the Michael Pineda, Martin Perez, Martin yeah. Perez, uh uh, piggyback start, whatever you want to call it, split start. Williams Astadio was behind the plate. Three catchers, first three days of the season. Castro could have gone two of those three, but Rocco Baldelli made sure to cycle each of his catchers in and get him some PT. I like it, uh, and I, I would I would like to see him continue to do that. I don't know that if you, that you can necessarily go in 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 that order and rotate them equally, but I would like to see you have those three guys involved as as much as you possibly can. The nice thing about Astadio is you can move him all over the field. Yeah, so it's not just catcher. He could. He could start 
two or three, maybe even four different positions sure. over the course of a week, if need be. I think you could see that with Mitch Garver, too. I think he can play some corner outfield. I think he can play some first base. And all of that is dependent on, is the bat as good as it could possibly be? Because if he hits his peak with the bat, I watch this guy take BP, I see his swing, and I think, why why aren't his numbers better? Like This guy looks great. I mean, he has the look of a great hitter. I don't know if he'll put that all together. I don't know what his 2019 season is going to be like at all. But if he is a hitter, and that's just another weapon for the Twins, you could move that guy around a little bit too. They've got some versatility on a, a number of different guys. 651-646-8255 or tweet us at Score North if you want to get in on the Score North Twins show. Let's get a quick call in here before the break. It's AJ in St. Paul. Guys, Romney is right on the money. Thank you. Why with do you what? think they? Well, with the with Everything. the um, the beanball, not oh. the beanball. <laughs> why do you, why do you think they hit Astadio? Yes, on Sunday because they got away with hitting Cruz two days before. That's why. Well, and these managers know what teams they can bully. They they know they know. Come on, they they know who they can push around. Twins have always been a team that that does not retaliate at all. And I don't understand, at the very least, I'm not saying hit a guy necessarily, but you're telling me you can't even start throwing inside and getting their feet moving well, who are you going to hit? message that way? Who are you going to hit in this Indians lineup? They've basically got one guy you've heard of. It it, <laughs> right? It, well, no, but it, it, does, that's not, it doesn't matter who you hit. The, what matters is what Romney said. You're just not going to stand by and take it anymore. Sure. And that way, the hitter now the pitcher knows, all right, one of my guys is probably going to get hit. And they think twice before doing it again. They did it twice. Both times were on purpose. Let's not act like, you know, they, 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 <laughs> it was an accident. But that's why, because we don't do anything about it. And having Rocco come on after and go, well, we're, we're, we take note of that. Well, that, come on, give me a break. You know, noted. I appreciate the college. And I'm not, I'm, they didn't. Thanks, AJ. I'm not saying that they had to necessarily do something this weekend, but if this is something that continues, that every time a guy gets hot or if a game gets away and you're, you're, you're beating the Indians like you were Sunday afternoon at Target Field and they feel a need to throw at your guys and you feel like, or it seems pretty apparent that there is intent there, again, you can't continue to let the bully push you around but what so what did uh rizzo and what did joe madden do it didn't seem from your story anyway well like they the threw, cubs they threw the the they did they, they, they threw, got somebody they threw they didn't have to throw back at the reds that was i think the last series okay. of the season and i think the message was kind of sent there that they weren't going to sit back and take that anymore yeah but madden's tirade that in that post-game press conference came following a beanball war where the cubs really felt like they had to retaliate even though joe madden has no has been notorious for not not playing that kind of baseball of not getting into these beanball wars, but at some point you got to push back. Sure, and just to the caller's point, when AJ brings up that they have taken this for a number. Of, first of all, I don't know if that's true. I don't and know. I don't that, know. Yeah, I don't know what the situation was before like, I got here. I don't know honest. if that is the perception of the Twins around the league. I think it's the perception some Twins fans have, but I would say. Probably a, a lot of fan bases feel like that with their team, with a few notable exceptions. But I would say, what does Williams Astadio have to do with that? What does Nelson Cruz have to do with that? And what does 
Rocco Bedelli have to do with that? I think we've seen the Twins games over the years, of course, and um, and AJ's seen them that thinking this is a Twins team that just lays down. And I'm looking at it a little bit differently. Like, to me, guys, 2019, I haven't seen this movie yet. Right. This is a brand new release. This is, I don't know a number of their hitters. Uh, I mean, I know who they are, but I don't know what they're like. I don't know what they're about. I don't know what Rocco Baldelli's about outside of first weekend of the series and some spring training, you know, positive vibes. That's all I know so far. So I'm watching this movie to see what happens. I don't think this is some kind of sad rerun where it's like the also ran twins are just getting beat up on by the bully. I, I just not picking up that vibe from the first weekend of the season. I'm trying to even go back to the Ron Gardenhire days of when teams were throwing at twins hitters and the twins didn't like I don't even really remember that ever. I got one for you. Thing. You remember Tory Hunter picking up the baseball and throwing it back at the pitcher? That was against Cleveland. Yeah, that's right. Was that bias? That. That's an yeah. all time highlight. And that was you that never was see back that in what two thousand. Early two thousand four, yeah, maybe? I would have said oh four oh five, yeah. Um, I don't know that that does anything, to be honest with you. But I don't get the sense, like even when the Twins have been something of a doormat for five six seasons, and it's been like an incredible run of losing. Don't get me wrong, but even when they were that team losing ninety six ninety nine games, I never saw them as like, oh, this is the, this is the team you can just push around. You can hit their star hitter in the shoulder because who cares? It's just the Twins. I don't. I don't I think mean, that's the percent. Maybe I missed something. Maybe I mean, I'm just wrong on that. If you wanted, I mean, there was an era where if you wanted to beat up on the Twins, you just hit home runs yes. off of their pitching. <laughs> right, right. Like you didn't need to, the you stats. didn't need to. You didn't need to pitch inside to their hitters. Just launch, you know, moonshots yeah. into left field at yeah. Target Field. I mean, that's that was the way teams were beating up the Twins. Yeah, and I just I don't know. Maybe it's something that I've missed. I, I'm, no, I'm, I'm fully admitting to that that it's possible that there's just sort of a team you can push around, but. A, I don't get that sense, honestly, over the past five seasons. And B, even if that was the case, this is a different Twins team. And I'm looking at it only, this has this. the past has no bearing on what I'm saying here. Sure, I'm looking sure. at it strictly as what I saw this weekend between the Twins and the Indians. And I again, I only feel like you should throw at the other team in intent, with intent, when you feel like they've thrown at you with intent. Don't throw yeah. it at a guy just because he hit a home run off you. Yeah. Don't throw it at a guy because their pitcher went inside, it got away from him and hit one of your guys. But if you have a pretty good idea that they're throwing at you on purpose, then you, at some point, if that continues to happen, you got to yeah. throw back at them yeah. on purpose. I'm Just to get my stance out there, I'm anti-beanball, I'm anti-hunting, but if you're going to do it, hit him with a change up in the hip or lower. If you well, want to get in, in with a curveball on the Score North Twins show, 651-646-8255 or tweet us at Score North. couple more observations from uh, opening weekend and maybe look ahead at what the Twins have coming up on their schedule right after this on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. You know all the positions. Score North. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. Score North Twins show on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. I'm Rami Makloff along with Derek Wetmore, Manny Hill on the other side of the glass, giving you some of our opening weekend observations and uh, pretty much all of it good. From Did you have anything <laughs> bad from the weekend you wanted to talk about, Derek? Oh, boy. Uh, a little chilly, I guess. It could have been a little nicer. <laughs> I saw some snowflakes yesterday, but those are all gone now. I, 
it's really hard to be any type of negative. Right. From a Twins perspective, after what you saw this weekend, a guy we haven't even talked about is Jake Odorizzi, who struck out 11 in his six innings of work. It Honestly, top to bottom, you'd have to go hunting to find a bad storyline. A couple of things I love, just a couple news and notes that I love from this weekend. First of all, the uh, the nickname, I don't know where this started, for Byron Buxton and Williams Astadio. Have you heard this one yet? Oh, they said this on the broadcast yesterday. The tortoise and the hare. That's pretty good. Which I love. Tortuga and the hare. That is outstanding. It's <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. And Byron Buxton joked, he can run. Don't let him fool you. He can, he can run talking, talking about Williams Astadio. Yeah. That's just Buck being nice. That's that's Byron Buxton being a good teammate and saying nice words. You you uh you qualify that with for a big guy. Sure, yeah. Like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I used to say that about uh Miguel Sano pretty routinely. I would say, like, you know, he's actually aside from having a big, big arm, which he does have. I was like, you know, he actually moves his feet pretty good, and he's got that first step quickness, like some level of agility. Yeah, people look at me sideways, like, what? I say, oh, oh, for a guy his size, for a guy who's just this hulking beast of a man, he, he moves pretty good. It's a term I'm convinced I coined uh, twelve, maybe thirteen years ago, and now I hear it used somewhat regular, regularly. Fit fat, fit fat, fit fat. Yeah, I think Williams Estadio and Miguel Sano are both good examples of fit fat. Like you see a lot of offensive linemen who are fit sure, fat, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Guys guys who are big, they have the extra padding, but like you were talking about, they have like quick feet or they have really good hand eye coordination, or maybe they run faster than somebody that size normally okay. would. Maybe they jump higher sure. than somebody that size normally okay. would. Fit fat. I'm on board with it. You like it? Cosine. Yeah. <laughs> Cosine. This guy's definitely that. He's a baseball players come in all shapes and sizes. We talked about this. It's right. not like the first guy in the world who you wouldn't pass by in the street and be like, oh, is that a professional athlete? Right, yeah. And yet he gets the job done. I mean, that's all there is to it. I feel like pre-Boston Red Sox Pablo Sandoval would probably fit in this category. Fit fat? Where, whereas fit, yeah. Red Sox Pablo Sandoval was yeah, just fat? Just, yeah, he was <laughs> just fat. Yeah. He would swing your belt off fat. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Uh, Prince Fielder, did he Prince fall Fielder, into that? I think oh, Prince yes. Fielder was the guy who I came up with the term really? for. Yeah, that's when I was pretty working good. in Milwaukee. That reminds me of, Derek, you probably remember when Prince Fielder had the inside the Parker at the Metrodome. Oh, do I? Oh, boy. <laughs> he was chugging around the base yeah, that, day, man. that was one of those little league home runs. So that wasn't a legit inside the Parker, but I do remember that well, and I'm sure many with the Twins do. The other sort of intangible thing that I I liked this weekend, just a, a note that I read about the Twins and and Rocco Baldelli over the weekend was he wants a lively clubhouse, and he said that after the loss on Saturday that it was kind of a quiet clubhouse and guys sort of just kept to themselves and stayed in their lockers. He said, turn on the music, guys. Yeah. Enjoy it. Have some fun. It's a long season. And I think that that's really one of the main things that a manager does, especially in 2019, and that is set set the tone and set the mood for a clubhouse and for a team. A lot of the on-field decisions are sometimes determined by numbers now in Major League Baseball. So some of the decision-making has, to a degree, been taken out of the hands of a manager. I feel like the attitude, the mood, the 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 feeling of a team and, and a clubhouse is one of the most important jobs of a manager, and you can't let your guys get too high, and you can't let your guys get too low over the course of a baseball season. I love that he said that after after a loss. Guys, it's no big deal. Turn on the music. Let's in, Let's enjoy the day. Love it. Yep, I'm on Team Rami and I guess Team Rocco on this one. 2015, Torrey Hunter comes back to Minnesota. Uh, 
tons of fanfare, and he's like easily one of the most popular figures in, uh, at least in the Minnesota portion of the franchise's history. And he was like, what's going on? Like, why are you hanging your heads after the 2014 season wasn't great for him? 15, he started dance parties after wins yep. in the clubhouse, brought the disco ball. He's got a smoke machine and like music and get up and dance. Celebrate the wins, boys. There's only so many you get in this season. Don't take any of them for granted. I love that part of the equation. The other part was Tori being like, you lose, it sucks. You come to work and your day was basically worthless mm-hmm. if you lost. The outcome was not what you wanted. But you're not going to get any benefit from sulking. Like, catalog it. Move on. As there is some component to this, like good or bad. You should have a short memory in baseball. If you're a closer, you blew a save. I don't want you thinking about that as you're warming up the next time. That shouldn't matter whether you punched out four to earn a long save or if you gave up a Walk off. Mm-hmm. Your last time out, I want you to be the same person every time. Tori Hunter really instilled that in the 2015 Twins Clubhouse, and it sounds like Rocco is trying to do the same thing in 2019. I think that's huge. I think that really has a has a yeah. tangible impact on on the team. Definitely. Uh, Jake Odorizzi said, I saw his quotes after Saturday's game. It's like along that same vein. He's like, <laughs> I mean, keep in mind, Odorizzi pitches six one-hit innings. He looks Totally in control. They can't hit his 91-mile-an-hour fastball wherever he put it in the zone. He was just dotting it everywhere. Walks away with 11 strikeouts and two walks. So you're thinking, this is one of the better starts of this dude's career and could not be a more encouraging sign for this Jake Odorizzi season with the Twins. And he said, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a good outing. And, of course, I'm happy for it. And we didn't get the result we wanted. But honestly, like... I'm not going to get up or down. I'm totally paraphrasing this here right now, but like, I'm not going to get up or down based on what just happened because yeah, it was a great start, but I know there are going to be sometimes this year's when I, when I don't have a great start and it's not going to do me any good to whine about that after the fact, I'm just going to learn from it. I'm going to catalog it. I'm going to move on and I'll see you in five days when I'm making my next start. I think that's the right mentality to have especially for a starting pitcher or a closer. You know what's making it hard for me to have some momentum here early in the baseball season, Derek? Five days off in the first two yeah, weeks. This yeah. schedule, what is the, why, what, what is the, do you know why this happened? Yeah, they build in snow days, basically. They just say like, hey, there's a lot of weathered risks in the first two weeks of the season. Let's give them a shot if Cleveland and Minnesota gets rained out, snowed out on Thursday. They've got a day Friday where they won't have to make it up later in the summer. So they they're off today. Yeah. After they were just off Friday, they'll play Tuesday and Wednesday in Kansas City. Then they're off again. That's right. Yeah. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Philly, and then off again, and then Tuesday, Wednesday against the Mets, and then off again before starting a series against the Tigers and kind of getting back to normal after that. Teams don't like it, I don't think, and I know players don't like it. It's just different from your routine it's nice to have the days off and you can go with your a lineup as many times as possible but the one thing that players and teams like planning side of teams your front office people who are having to look ahead at pitching and do we have enough backup and depth the one thing they hate more than off days in march and april rami double headers in july mm-hmm. when you've got a roster of 25 people and you have to try to cover that when your pitching is probably already stretched a little thin let's be honest about it Having to go get that next guy from double A AA or triple A to just to cover a game, that's now suddenly you're putting an inferior product on the field just to go through this grind of a schedule. So I don't like it. I don't love the off days. 
uh, kind of just ready for baseball and let's go, let's play every night. But they're building it in as a as a sort of a hedge or like an insurance on if it snows. You really desperately don't want to have those doubleheaders in July and August. That that screws up way more than the off day in April. Yeah, between Friday night, I watched a, a what the Twins were off, obviously, but I watched yeah. a game Friday night. I forget who it was. Saturday, I watched a couple of games. So, so between Friday and Sunday, I consumed like at least 12 hours of baseball sure. over the course <laughs> sure. of my weekend. And like, and now, I'm, now I'm rolling. And then I Let's look go. at this, now I look at the schedule and I'm like, okay, there's, there's nothing. There's nothing tonight. Yeah, you could rewatch uh, Sunday's game. That's true. I got that taped if you want it. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Just let me know. Pass that tape along. Yeah, I got a spoiler for you. Michael Pineda threw pretty well. <laughs> it, looked, it looked good for him. And then Martin Perez came in and was like, wow, okay. Really? Yeah, his spring training was legit. So wait, they pulled Michael Pineda and put Martin Perez in halfway it was through the game? genius having the double pitching matchup, knowing both of those guys weren't going to go long, but you didn't need either of them today. Now you got a fresh bullpen for Tuesday, Rami. I feel like I heard somebody talking about this shortly after 1 o'clock. I should search Score North Twins and see if I can find yeah, that show. You'll find it on the feed, I'm sure. <laughs> but now, that, like I said, they go to Kansas City and then Philadelphia. After the, I mean, after the start against Cleveland, I'm... You almost never predict a sweep, but in a two, you should think you think they they could take two against the Royals. Now you're off to a four and one start right here in the division. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't count chickens before they hatch. Right, but these hit these chickens are just about hatched. If you look at the pitching that's now going to favor the Twins when it didn't favor the Twins in the first weekend, and they still took care of business two out of three. That's a that's pretty encouraging. I think there, there are two paths to the playoffs here for the Twins. One is. Maybe tougher, but possibly more likely. You're a good team, 500-ish, play good, get a wild card. Right. The other, dominate your division. I'm talking the Indians and the bottom feeders, and you're in a pretty good spot come October. I know nothing is going to change your mind about the season over the course of three games, but are you starting to see what I was saying about the Indians before the season started after that series this weekend? The Indians lineup is yuck right now. Tough to look at. I need to work on that. That's Derek Wetmore. Find much, much more of his thoughts on the Twins at scorenorth.com. Search for this show and all our Twins programming.